High Performance Podcast, where we share with you the stories, tips, tricks, and strategies of motocross and off-road races, health and fitness experts, and everyone in between who has an inspiring story to share. episode two of the podcast this week we speak with travis witten from wbr motorcycles in achuka their yamaha dealer over there they also run the national yamaha under 19s race team now i've known trav for a fair few years we used to hang out racing and actually riding mini bikes back in the day before trav started his shop and and the race team he had a little um mini bike freestyle show whip industries so that was something i was lucky enough to be a part of back in the day the first ever whip industry show i was there chucking one-handers that was about the best i could pull these boys were pulling all their crazy tricks and i was just doing some monos and some some one-handers so (laughs) we go back a long way trav and i was sort of grown apart over the years but when i started the podcast i really thought he'd be a great person to have on because they've only it's only been six seven years they've had the shop up and running and they've gone from being a one-man show as trav mentions in this in the podcast of being just him in the corner of his dad's shop doing it all himself to building that up obviously with the support of his family and his brother but they've built that up to a, a really really strong dealership on a local level and then gone on to actually run a national race team which is anyone that knows who's built a business from scratch that in itself is a is a massive effort and then going on to actually run a national race team and this year they've had some amazing results they've had went one two in the under 19 national titles and then also um, took a number one plate in the world titles in Horsham this year with Bailey so pretty amazing story they've achieved a lot um he's a super passionate dude trav like that's what i love about him um he's really trying to give back to the sport and and help out the up-and-comers um so we touch on all of that stuff in this podcast so i hope you get a lot out of it he's a super cool dude trav um check it out have a listen if you love it give it a share that'd mean the world to me here we go with trav from wbr Cool. So we've got Travis Witten from WBR Motorcycles on the podcast today. He owns WBR Motorcycles and they also run the under-19s factory Yamaha race team. Thanks for coming on, Trav. Thanks, Greeny. I um, appreciate you giving me a bell and um, get me on. Thank you. Sweet, man. Um, first off, I thought we'd go back a little bit. I thought we'd paint a bit of a picture for the listeners. Um, the, the old whip industry days. Do you remember that, the, the very first ever Whip Industry show? In oh, yeah. I still, uh, still relive it. Yeah, it was a pretty <laughs> wild weekend and um, a lot of fun. It was pretty funny how, you know, just a few mates got together and just had a bit of fun and what it led, you know, was definitely a kickstart of what led to what I do now. So, yeah, pretty crazy how that all come about. Yeah, well, that's why I thought I'd mention it, man, because that was... I think that's probably one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you've got a pretty cool story, I think, from where you've, where you've built up from, from that, from doing little mini bike freestyle shows at the Echuca show to running your own shop to now having a really successful national race team. So how did it start in the beginning? Like, 
with because you obviously whip industries was a, a pretty a pretty big thing like you took that all around australia pretty much didn't you yeah it's um uh as you would know being part of sort of around when we started that it was sort of more around racing and that sort of thing and for some silly reason we found ourselves at the chuka moama show i think it was the year <laughs> they had no um horses so they're looking for entertainment and uh, my uncle was on the committee and they sort of just approached and said, oh, can you just do something for a bit of entertainment? And we're like, oh, we could get the, the mini bikes out and roar around. And next minute they had one load of dirt there and we had a little four-foot kicker and um, you, were, <laughs> you were throwing fender slaps and away we went. So, <laughs> and then it was pretty pretty amazing that got taken off. Like, I suppose the whoever was in the next town was there and seen it. And then yeah. they, were, they were inquiring about it. And before we knew it, was, um, <clears throat> we took it and turned it into a show and built ramps and kind of took us all over the country. Yeah. And looking back now, it's some of the best times I've ever had. So yeah. Yeah. I'll bet, man. It would have been an awesome experience. Mm. And I think it, yeah, definitely. Like we're all pretty young back then. And I think it built that foundation of dealing with, you know, customers being sort of committees and shows and stuff like that. And like yeah. working with them and, but also presenting what we wanted to present at the same time. So yeah, looking back now, as far as like a race team sort of thing, it was, pretty much exactly the same yeah yeah for sure so where where did that sort of lead to with the shop how did the shop sort of come about oh the shop's funny um i don't know if you had asked me about that time when we were i don't know 18 19 or whatever it was and uh the last thing i probably ever would have wanted to do is own a shop um yeah i was lucky enough through my racing to be supported by a few shops and you'd sort of go in and get to know the guys there and it never looked easy and it never looked, um, it looked like you were turning your passion into too much of a job. And then before you knew it, the kennel blows out and, um, you know, it just feels like you're doing nine to five and, you know, you're not enjoying bikes and riding and that's why you started. So to be honest, I probably never wanted to get involved in a shop or anything like that. And then it was just funny, the opportunity come up in, in Chuka where I live. And uh, I think it was the Kawasaki and Suzuki dealership time um, closed door, like they went bad and, closed door and just chats with me old man and um we just thought hey we could probably grab one of these brands and have a go at it so and i was in a position in my life where i suppose i was doing the normal doing my trade saving up getting a house deposit and together and you know the normal sort of path you take and and then next minute i'm spending all that money to put a little bit of a little showroom and away we went so yeah awesome so how could i assume it's a bit of a family affair over there yeah, I've been Max. super lucky. There's no way um, it would have grown to where it did, like where it is now without, you know, the, the rest of the family being behind it and supportive and being a role in it as well. So um, our little situation was my parents had been in business for, oh, they'd nearly been in business 30 years, I think now, um, with like a mechanical repair shop. Um, so they do like car servicing, boat servicing, um, sort of engine reconditioning and that sort of thing. Yeah. And they had a really good location on the highway. And, um, yeah, that's when I sort of spoke to, spoke to my father at the time and he decided it was a good idea as well. And he gave me a little bit of showroom space to put a couple of bikes in. And then it went from there to, we actually built another premises on the same land beside it. And, um, they actually own all that and we paid rent on that and that's how we got our start. So without that, we would have never had the, you know, had the ability to get a start. And then it was sort of me on my own. I don't know. I sort of remember I had a, trestle table out the back in a toolbox. I'd work on bikes and then I'd try and, yeah. answer the phone, try and answer the phone and sell bikes as well. So it was pretty slow in the beginning. Like we weren't sort of making much ground to start with. And then 
Um, when my brother finished his apprenticeship, like at the first, he sort of didn't have much interest in the shop. I don't think like he never sort of was around much. He'd finish his apprentice, like finish his day job and go home and enjoy himself. Or I'd still be at sort of work. And then I don't know, something clicked and he decided he wanted to join it once he did his apprenticeship. And um, ever since then, it's sort of grown strength to strength. And I think we sort of complement each other. He's um, pretty good with the sales and I'm more sort of out the back and behind the scenes. So, um, I don't know, we don't try and stand on each other's toes and we both help grow it and have us, you know, two of us working to a common goal never can hurt. So it's been pretty good so far. Yeah, nice. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So how many years has it been now you've had the shop there for? Uh, I think 2011. Well, it's, it's written on a bit of concrete out the front when we poured the slab for that, uh, for the, the building it sort of started in and that was 2011. So it would have started maybe 12 months before that, the planning of it, I guess, but yeah, 2011 sort of what sticks in my mind is actual starting time. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of a team have you got there now? I assume you'd have to have a fair crew of guys helping yeah. out. All up. And um, uh, so now it's sort of it's how it's run now. It's very connected, like the car, boat, servicing and the bikes and everything's all uh, fairly connected. But um, yeah. so I think all up, we've got over 15 staff. But just on the bike side, there's uh, we've got a workshop manager and three mechanics. And then our sales team, we've got someone doing finance um, insurance. Uh, we've got Nath and we've got Daniel and Grace, um, customer service and parts and that sort of thing. So I suppose just the bike side's nearly 10 employees in itself. Yeah, yeah it's huge. So how did, how did the race team come about then with Yamaha? With yeah, I think that was always, always an extension of WIP. Like, um, yeah. I think uh, if, if I really look at it, like, Whip was just the only way I could have a race team. Could never afford to have a race team, but you could <laughs> afford to travel around and ride uh, ride mini bikes. Uh, I suppose those who don't know what Whip is, it's uh, I suppose it, it was like kids and family entertainment. I suppose at country shows and stuff like that, uh, riding fun bikes like KLX 110s. I think we st- oh we started off on CRF 50s and then went yeah. to 110s as um as our knees wouldn't bend, but um, <laughs> so that, that all worked pretty good. But yeah, I suppose that uh, that in those days it was sort of planning and we sort of ran it like a race team back then. We'd sort of show up and try and be professional. And I think uh, it was always, I don't know, in my heart to want to do a race team. And then as the shop come along and then there was the opportunity to help and support other riders and stuff like that. I think it's just naturally grown from that. And, and then, um, I don't know, persistence, I suppose. And it's got us to where we are now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Like I'm a, a big believer now in the law of attraction, I suppose. So I, I wondered that, like, was it always something that you did envision as a goal, like having a race team or did it just sort of happen? Yeah. And I think it was like without, I never sat down and said, how do I get to race team, you know, to that sort of thing. But I, from the whip days, I'd always sit down and work out how to try and make $10 work into a hundred dollars to make whatever we wanted to do make sense. You know, I suppose you'd always sit down and, you'd always be putting down goals and you'd always be, this is where I want to be. But I suppose I'd never had a 10 year plan or anything like that. It was more year on year. And just, um, I don't know, people always ask me, you know, if you ever, ever try and categorize yourself, what you're good at. And I sort of don't say I'm good at anything. I think I'm okay at most things, but I think my biggest strength is um, consistency and persistence. I suppose I'm the guy that probably hangs around and eventually if you hang around long enough, you end up somewhere I suppose and that's that's how I've sort of gone about it I've never sort of changed my plans or changed my goals too much and it's sort of every year I suppose you chip a little bit away at it and before Mm. you know it sort of I never thought 
when we started WIP, we'd one day be running, I guess, what you'd call a Yamaha factory-backed team. So um, pretty crazy where it's where it's got to, considering how we started. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think you're right. Like in 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 any result, consistency pays big time. Yeah, yeah. If we if we had had a year off or them years where it's too hard and nothing making sense, if we had to quit them, well, then you know we'd be onto another chapter and we wouldn't even be talking about this. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, man. So tell us about the results this year because you've had some pretty awesome results. Like you've got the national titles and world was it the world title that Bailey got? Yeah, the other world, weekend. Yeah, world junior championship. So. It's one of those years where we nearly need to pinch ourselves and maybe lower yeah. expectations next year, I think. But, um, but no, we've had a dream run. Um, like this year, the class, it's not like we, we went one and two in the national championship under-19s. And, you know, I suppose unless you're into the sport and you know, like you, people would think, oh, it might be easy to do. But um, I don't know if it's actually ever been done um, with one team taking one and two and the, how, depth, how much depth there was in the class. Uh, yeah. We could have easily been sixth and seventh, you know, like there was at least seven guys that were winning races throughout the year. And um, so to end up one and two was a pretty special. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. But like in saying that, you probably had a bit of bad luck last year too, didn't you, in the Supercross with injuries and so it can, yeah. it can, go, it can go either way. It's actually, I can't, um, can't remember who said it to me once. It was one of the, it was a dad of one of the kids were helping, I don't know, a few years back or something. And he goes to me, I think you have uh, 10 bad weekends to every one good weekend. And um, I think he summed <laughs> it up pretty good. And that one good weekend, though, is enough fuel to keep you going. He, and that's, that was pretty much his words, I think, by memory, word by word. And, and um, the yeah. more I thought about it, the more true it sort of stand, uh, stands. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so so we've, never, uh, we've never achieved anything as far as like a championship result before in the sort of five years we've been running as a professional race team. We've had round podiums and maybe no we never even run around we've just been, had round podiums um so then to have this year which even this shows how hard this year was um we finished one and two in the championship points but not one round did we have both boys stand on the podium together so one would have a good weekend one would have a bad so it shows yeah. to have have two guys to go first and second and not once did they both share a podium and go one three or two one or two three so um, pretty crazy shows how competitive and how many kids could do well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So what is that going to change much next year? Like with the backing you get with yes. like getting some awesome results like that? Yeah. So I think as far as all communications at Yamaha and anyone who's been a team partner this year is, um, is stoked with how it's gone. So we want to try and keep it on a roll and keep, um, business as usual, I suppose. And I think we've found our little niche, um, running a professional race team and trying to do the dealership is um, every year has sort of got harder and harder. It's sort of, was sort of biting and chewing, chewing, chewing. And um, this year it's probably been the perfect balance. Uh, the under 19s championship, although it runs all the same races as MX2 and MX1, uh, there's probably, probably a little bit less work that has to go into it. Although we're basically doing the same amount of work to make sure we're at one and two, but um, yeah, in hindsight, it's a it's a less of a championship to compete on, and it's probably less money that has to go into it to to do well to be an under nineteen. So, for us to be able to now have a good balance of running the dealership and running the race team, we've probably found our perfect little niche, and it's something I want to continue because I think it for the stage of life we're up to, it's it's working pretty well. Yeah, for sure. So, did that is that something you sort of you wanted to go towards the under nineteen team, or is is that sort of Yamaha's choice? 
Uh, yeah, I suppose Yamaha approached us at the end of last year um, with the idea, and we were in, uh, we were on the tail end of a pretty hard year. Like we had two really good quality riders in Aaron Tani and um, Conatini, and both guys who have you know won races and stuff like that. But to be realistic, we were sort of a fifth place was a good on a weekend, and and they had a lot of injuries and a lot of things. So it felt like we had a year of just working super hard with not much reward. So we were sort of keen for a change. And I reckon if we had gone down that path for another three years of sort of that amount of work and, you know, not much result, I, th- I think we probably wouldn't be that keen to keep continuing. So it was getting pretty hard and becoming a bit of a bit of a drag. And, you know, the farm was getting sucked out of it pretty quick when we were just working, working, working and, sort of no recognition, I suppose you'd say. So this year, yeah. I had the opportunity to do what we have with Yamaha and Yamaha to approach us to be able to do it. But yeah, I couldn't thank uh, the guys at Yamaha anymore because, yeah, it was the perfect uh, solution to our those little internal problems we we're having. Yeah, yeah. So what does Yamaha supply you with the riders or do you actually get to select your riders for the team? Uh, I suppose at the end of the day, it's our decision, um, but yeah. we work closely with them. So, because the whole how they've set up their program is, they like they're selling on the feature of you become a Yamaha Junior rider, then you come through us, then you go on to Circo, then you go on to CDR, and you know you yeah. end up like Dean Ferris. So they're trying to map out this path for their kids. So um, if there is a junior coming through that's um, ready to take that step, then we're looking for that next Yamaha kid to come through and we'll work with Yamaha to try and retain the riders and do the right thing there. Um, but at the end of the day, it's ultimately, I guess, it's our decision, but we're, we work with them closely and you know, I guess everyone is agreeing on it before anyone's signed. Yeah, yeah, cool. So how many kids out there do you see these days that actually want to be the next Dean Ferris, do you think? I think the dream's pretty alive. Um, I haven't had a chance to get to much junior motocross this year. I was actually going to go to Tassie in a couple of weeks for the Australian junior championships, but um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make the whole week now, but we're still working on that. But I think the dream's still alive. Like um, I suppose that everyone can remember you start off on a Wee 50 or whatever it is, and you're doing lap after lap and you're aspiring to be your hero. So, And I think their parents buy into that. And as they see their kids learn new skills and talents, it becomes a, you know, a, I suppose at that age you don't realise how hard it is and you know don't realise what, what it has to take, but there's that dream is still alive and people want to be the next Chad Reed and that sort of thing. And then I suppose the further you climb the ranks, uh, the more the reality check it becomes. But um, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of people out there trying to make, it, make a living of it. I think it's good to be a little bit naive sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even probably when you're starting a race team too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When you're starting any business from scratch, it's a tough, or anything from scratch, it's 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 a battle sometimes. It's good to be a little bit naive, I think. Yeah, I remember starting the dealership and thinking, oh, it'd be easy. I'll just book out so many hours working on a bike that'll cover this, and I'll spend this. <laughs> time never, it never happens, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you what do you look for in a rider? Like, what what do you think are the qualities that that dictate like a, a really good rider compared to the rest? Um, we've been pretty lucky. We've dealt with a, like a fair mix now. We've had guys that are really hard on equipment and try super hard. We've had super talented kids that maybe don't have the work ethic. And so we've had a, had a fair balance, uh, like a fair mixture of all those sort of kids now. 
And for me personally, it's hard to go past a kid that just won't, you know, can't give you enough. They just, they listen to what you got to say and they just want to try and they're just there to do their best and they're going to give it everything they got to do it. Um, so sometimes I'd nearly prefer a kid over that, over natural talent, just because it is a fun, rewarding year if they do start to achieve what they set out to do because you can see the work they've put in. Um, and sometimes that, but we're like with our class under 19s, the talented kid could still win. So, um, you know, we're probably not quite hit, you know, where kids are hitting their peak at that 23, 24, 25 or wherever they, they might peak. So naturally talent will get kids through under 19s, but in the long run, it's going to be the hard workers that pay off. So. Yeah, I think you're right. I've had this conversation with a few people lately and I think, yeah, natural natural ability only gets you so far. That, that work ethic thing keeps coming up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think, like you say, the ability to be able to take on people's opinions and try things and not be set in your ways, I suppose. I think, you, think you've got it all figured out. Yeah, for sure. And for us, like, we're going through that transition of where it's been you know, normally dad and son against the world and they've sort of done it all their way and then they come on us and we've got a way of doing it. So it's sort of always working with the parents, working with the rider and making it, making it sort of all gel and, and sort of I look at us as an apprenticeship into professional racing. Um, so we sort of get you in the right direction because then basically when you leave us, if you're going to a bigger team, it sort of becomes even less involved for the parents and I think that sort of hard. So it's good for us to have a sort of a transition year where we can still involve the parents, but also show the kids that are, you know, what they need to do to take the next step to fully make an income out of racing, racing dirt bikes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that you're right. That's a big part of it. The parents are such a huge part of the, of the process in juniors. Yeah. Like when they've been every weekend traveling and normally sleeping in a van or whatever, it's a, it's a pretty funny relationship that a father and son can have uh, chasing yeah. the motocross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what do they? What do your riders do training wise? Like, do you have like fitness wise, training wise, off bike stuff? Do you have a program that they sort of follow, or do they? Is that up to them to look after themselves um, there? Ultimately, it's up to them. We always sit down at the start of the year. We start the year with a uh, we call it like a team camp, I guess you were word to call it. And um, part of that, we do like a fitness test. Yeah. And so then that way we sort of evaluate just sort of where they're at. And we also fire a lot of knowledge questions at them and see what they know and see, you know, how they've been going about it so far. Sometimes what they've already been doing might be perfect. So you don't want to change that. Uh, but yeah, we just sort of make sure we educate ourselves on what they're doing, how they're doing it, who they're doing it with. And um, most of the time it's just left to them to continue what they're doing. And we just monitor how it's all going. So um, as far as a team, we don't have someone that's putting a program together for them. Um, generally they're choosing their guy they want to work with, but we just monitor closely what's actually happening. So yeah, it works pretty good so far. Um, one of our major sponsors is Bulk Nutrients, which is a supplements company in Tasmania. And yeah, yeah. Um, so they've been pretty involved with our riders and we actually have our team camp at their factory in Tassie. Um, so that's where we do our fitness test and we also work, we'll do a bit of a seminar on what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing with their bodies and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's always interesting. Sometimes they'll answer questions and be very educated. And sometimes you'd be like, oh, I can't believe you didn't know that. So I suppose um, you do have to ask the questions and do need to find out where they're at and what they know. But um, they're, they're at that age where 
Uh, I suppose learning is like learning is a big part of it and trusting the right people is a big part of it because they could easily be put on the wrong track as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, I think as juniors, as you probably know, you're figuring a lot out for yourself along that journey. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I suppose it's our job to try and, you know, you've got to figure it out yourself, but if we can stop them going down the wrong path too many times, it'll make a quick learning curve and, and hopefully get them to the front a bit quicker. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think, I don't know, you'd probably, probably feel the same that it's probably a, a, it's a big part of what I do now, but probably, I guess you're probably similar in the way that you want to try and help people not make the mistakes we had to make when we were coming through the ranks, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Not that they always believe you, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all basically you're trying to do is help guide them. Uh, instead of pinballing them off every wall and making them find their own way, you can hopefully straighten up that line and get them to where they want to be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you, you also support like a lot of, um, you've got your factory team obviously, but you've also got a lot of other guys that you support on a local level too. Of course, like one of them is Dan who does a bit of stuff with us training over here. Yeah, yep. No, it works really good. It's sort of, I suppose our dealership, we're in country, rural Victoria and I suppose our town would be more known for the farming areas and, you know, I suppose traditionally dealerships in our area would have sold a lot of quad bikes and ag bikes and things like that. And it's funny, we don't even have a local racetrack or club or anything like that, but um, we're certainly strongest in off-road and motocross and that sort of thing because I suppose that's where our passion passion comes from. So um, it doesn't take us long to notice a kid at a track and someone who works hard and someone we'd like to put our brand on. So we are always sort of helping riders from any level, uh, C grade 65 to A grade 250s, it doesn't really matter. We're always looking for kids that we think are deserving of, you know, support and who put in effort and present themselves well. It's not always about results because, um, as we know, it's a journey where you're going to improve and, you know, results might come one day. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think that's a really valuable thing doing that, supporting the up-and-comers and looking out for them. It's, there needs to be more of it, I think. It's always, um, I don't know, it's always a balance because I think a lot of people see what we do with the national race team and, and then they get involved and you sort of get in contact with them. They might come out and come riding with us and stuff like that. And sometimes you've got to sort of slow them down because I think they think they're already on the team and it sort of gets a bit tricky. Like they don't understand that, you know, like we're saying, they're a bit naive to the process, I guess you'd say, and they think they yeah. can turn pro tomorrow and, and conquer the world. But um, so it is sort of hard for us to balance that a little bit because it does sometimes probably seem like to some of the guys we support through the shop that there's this massive favoritism to, you know, the two who are on the, I suppose the factory team is what you'd call it. Um, but, yeah, they are separated and they are ran completely different. And the actual race team is ran as its own company separate to the dealership, although there's plenty of tie-ins and it all sort of meshes and works together. So, yeah. yeah. And what about you, man? Do you still get it, get time to get out on the bike these days? I try to, yeah. Like plenty of weekends away at events, but um, so it's not always me on the bike, but it, we're always at events, so I'm always involved. But And we've actually started a bit of land. We've got 160 acres here in or in Echuca and Moama side in New South. And yeah, so I see that. Of, yeah, so it's been really cool because it's kept me riding. So we've been opening up every Wednesday afternoon for locals to come out and ride and some weekends and stuff like that. So because I'm hanging out there a lot is because opportunity to throw a leg over a bike and um, get into it and have a ride still myself. And 
yeah, there's no better feeling really. Yeah, awesome. Any any goals to get back out on the track? No. Behind the start gate? I think them days are gone for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I hang around the high level too much, I, um, my brain thinks it can do it, but yeah, I certainly can't anymore when I get on the bike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's sort of funny because uh, like I'll spend all weekend at a Supergross track with, you know, with the guys who are on the high level and you're sort of watching them and you're critiquing the smallest of things and, and you know, you're visualizing it and you're watching it and you're thinking, you know, all you need to do is this, but then, you know, you could soon gear up and go out there and you're not going to be able to show them what you're trying to tell them. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of hours of riding before you're in a position where you're with one with the bike and um, that's something I don't have anymore, but I still really do enjoy getting out there and um, going for a rip. That's for sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think that, that as you well know, it's just as you get older with business and and we've got family and that now, like getting those hours on the bike, like it's it's hard and that's the hardest thing to keep the skills up is just being getting those hours in. Yeah, that's like, yeah, exactly right. And people who come out the motor farm and ride with us or something, they say, oh man, you're still going pretty quick. You should do a race or something like that. And I'm like, It'd be kind of dangerous to race because the amount I ride, like <laughs> yeah. arm pump in two laps and then you're going to probably crash and, you know, sort of you're in that position, you're never as good as you was, and <laughs> but you still probably think you were. So it'd be pretty easy to go down and get hurt, you know, for the sake of lining up just to do a race. So no, I'll leave, yeah. I'll leave it to the young guys who we can um, sort of help a mentor on the way through, but I think I'll always be, a, be one to jump back on the bike and have fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And what about Nate? Is he doing, he's not doing any racing either? No, nah, he hasn't raced for years either. Um, he's in a similar position. Like he's, um, he's very busy with the shop and, and that sort of thing. But he's in the same thing. He still loves to get out for a ride. We actually had a, a shop ride day in Denny on the weekend, and that was really cool. We got to get out and potentially ride with a lot of our customers and people who come into the store. So it's, that's a good buzz because sometimes you don't leave the four walls at the dealership enough and, you know, you only start to get to know people from behind the counter and it's actually really cool to be able to go out and ride with the people you, you know, who built relationships through the store. So um, events like that actually are becoming more and more special for us and a lot of fun to do. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That, that was one thing I was going to ask. Like, what's an average day look like for you? What time oh. are you rocking oh. up and coming home? Yeah, for me, I was like, I'm at the shop by 7.30 and getting set up for everyone to get there sort of thing. So um my role is sort of pretty flexible now like i'm just sort of i guess thrown to wherever i'm needed for the day to to make sure everything's covered so uh because we've got chris who does an amazing job as sort of workshop manager and making sure the boys are busy so i just support him and support the guys at the back and then also support nath uh, with the sales and parts so um which makes my day pretty fun because i can be doing a mixture of things throughout the week and you know i might be a parts guy one day a sales guy the next and might be working on a mower on the, on the following day. So I could be doing a bit of everything. And uh, as the race team gets busier and busier though, a lot of time actually goes to that. So um, like there's, there's a couple of hours a day always just on the race team, just to keep on top of the paper trail on that of that. But then also when points of the season, we've got one full-time mechanic and myself can be working on the race team full-time throughout the week. So it's not like full-time all year round, but there's times of the year where all of a sudden there could be two of us full-time on it for, you know, a couple of months to have new bikes ready or, you know, depending on what the race calendar is. So, yeah. 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 And are you guys driving the trucks to the race yourself? Yeah. So the truck leaves for every race. Um, we're pretty lucky. Like our parents still stay 
super involved and they've become um they've become to love the driving around to all the events so mum yeah. and dad generally uh well the last few rounds of queensland i've driven up too but generally they'll always look for it and they'll jump in the truck and they'll head off a couple of days early and tour around and then get there and kind of be all set up for us um for when we can fly in so it works really well it's a pretty good mix and a balance at the moment to have mum and dad enjoying doing that and potentially we're all going away as a family to the races like we did when we used to race but now we've just got some, um, some younger kids out there actually twisting the throttle on the bike so sort of not much has changed when you think about it from when I was 15 going to the races with mum and dad and still going to the races with mum and dad at <laughs> <laughs> just get to watch and you don't get hurt yeah <laughs> it's actually yeah it's been pretty fun sort of been not full circle but it kind of feels like that a bit it feels like we're still doing the same thing that you know, and enjoying it even more than ever. Yeah, yeah, much bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So what's the future hold for uh, the WBR? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. At the moment, more titles, just, more titles. Yeah, we're just working, <laughs> working hard and trying to put our best foot forward at whatever we sort of do. So who knows what uh, the five-year, ten-year thing can be, but... Um, I know we'll, we'll be still there doing it, so who knows how the sport will change and what will shape up and, and that sort of thing. But we're pretty good at being consistent, so we'll always be there and then uh, just put our best foot forward and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. So um, what, what's your thoughts on that, like the sport? Do you think it's going in the right direction growth-wise? or? Uh, I think it's been hard for the sport. Like um, It's been great this year. I've got to build relationships with guys like Craig Dack and you know, who is an icon of mine watching him race when I was young and now he's yeah. been a team owner for, or he's been the most successful team owner in Australia um, that there's ever been. So, and you talk to him and ask him questions like that. And it's interesting to sort of some of the things you hear from him, like um, obviously we're not in the heyday of the sport in any means. I think there was a lot more money in it uh, way before we got involved. But if anything, we probably got involved at a good time where it was on a bit of a low. So I mm. think it can only sort of be up from here. Well, that's, Fingers crossed. <laughs> it can only be up from here, but we've learned to build a model that works for us with our situation um, that's not going to send us broke doing it. So, um, you know, who knows what the future holds and hopefully it can build. But with Supercross certainly building back up in the country and uh, the MX National Series has itself has been around a long time and it's been successful and they seem to keep being able to grow year on year or if it is a slow year, they seem to be able to adapt their series and make the travel plan easier on teams and stuff like that. So, I think there's good people behind the scene who are doing the right things and making it work and not just pushing everyone to do things that might make sense on that, you know, financially for that year. And I think, um, I think the sport's in pretty good hands. It's just, you know, we always want it to be bigger, but we've got to understand we're a small fish in a big pond, I guess you'd say compared to other sports. So, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it just keeps building. Hey. Yeah. No, so far so good. And, there's good people pushing the right things and I'm pretty excited with like the Supercross season, how that's sort of shaping up when guys like um, Adam Bailey and that with the OzX Open and how well they're promoting that. That's certainly bringing a lot of attention to the sport. Uh, potentially there's a weekend there where we'll set up and the amount of people who come past the truck and pit set up in that one event is pretty huge. It actually, you know, you could sell a lot of sponsorship on that one event alone and if things, events like that can keep building, that's going to help our profile and help the whole sport. Yeah, yeah, nice. So is that sort of what you're prepping for now, Supercross? Yeah, so we've had the first round already. Um, Supercross is going to be a hard one for us with our 
essentially we're sort of a development role with an under-19s team, but for Supercross, they don't have under-19s, so it's straight in yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And then there's plenty of teams spending money to bring over American riders for it as well. So all of a sudden, you've probably got five talented international riders on top of a very talented field we already have here in Australia. And then we're in a, we've got two guys from under-19s who are going to step up into that class. So it's always going to be hard for us stepping into Supercross. But this year, we've actually got two really talented riders who um, I think will do really well as the series progresses. We didn't have the best of rounds at round one. We ended up 14th and 15th. Uh, but the sort of riding was on the wall with their lap times and how they rode. And I think they can certainly push further up as we keep going. So pretty excited to see what these young two um, young two riders we've got at the moment can do as the season keeps going. Yeah, mate, it'd be exciting to see. I guess like sometimes that's the best way to learn too is getting thrown in with the big boys. Yeah, it's certainly um, a step up in, in class and field from as we keep going. And the, the intensity of that class like, like goes back to what we're talking about, wanting to race. And I don't think yeah. I'd want to be out there in that. That's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, there's a good 10 guys who could win and they're, and they're not giving each other you know, a millimetre, let alone anything else. So, yeah, um, yes, she's even to watch, she's intense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome, man. So I've just got a few rapid-fire questions I'll shoot yeah. at you to finish up. Certainly. Um, just some simple ones. Two-stroke or four? Uh, uh, I've got a YZ125 at the moment, so I'll go two-stroke this week, but... <laughs> That's a hard one for me. I've I got I to gotta swap and change all the time because they're both fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the best bike you've ever ridden? Ever? Oh, man. I don't know. Every year they seem to get better, so I'm just going to have to stick with a current model. Like the current 19YZ250F pretty much blew me away. I reckon I thought yeah. they were unreal and they just keep getting better every year. Love it. Yeah. Um, who's your favourite rider to watch ever? Ever. Jeez. Uh, Not Sam Trainey. <laughs> oh, he's up there. <laughs> I see uh, I see he's having a comeback in the vintage. <laughs> vintage the Viper. Bike. Yeah, Viper. Uh, do you see the photo? It was a ripper photo of him actually coming out of the corner on the old YZ he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon. Into that rear wheel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, even Bailey, who's riding for us this year, I've never seen a like his ability on a bike. And we'll be just at a practice track, and sometimes he'll he'll leave me jaw dropped. I know, like, not many yeah. people can probably relate to that because I haven't seen him yet. But as he as he progresses, they'll probably see what I'm talking about. But yeah, all of a sudden there'll be a section on a track or something, and he'll go through it and do something that you just didn't even think it would be able to be done. And yeah. yeah, he does it with a lot of skill and ability. Yeah, he's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um. And if you could go back, what advice would you give an 18-year-old Trav? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no idea. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So just don't stop wrecking yourself. Too many uh, broken bones and stuff for me. Don't, don't think I would tell myself to slow down because I don't think that was the case. I don't know why I kept hurting myself. Maybe I, uh, if yeah, the go back, I'd tell myself to get involved with something with what you're doing now. So I, um, knew more about my body and you know, I was more in tune with myself instead of just going out there and thinking I'll be right on a bung knee and then hurting the other one. So I yeah. never did enough rest and recovery and I never knew enough about that side of myself. So uh, if I had to go back and tell my 18, 18-year-old self what to do, I'd get involved in you know a program like what you're doing. I think that would have uh, – I'd end up in a totally different spot now if I, if I had a 
<laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. How how is the body these days? You did you did have a fair few injuries over the years, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, most people get, get to the end of their racing career and they got you know some claim to fame, and mine was only. I think it was over 30 surgeries before I was 30. I think that's my claim to fame. But yeah. not, not a real good claim to fame. But um, Yeah, not real flash. I'm sitting here at the moment with a bit of a bung knee. I heard it riding last Wednesday, actually. So Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the other reasons I don't think you'll see me behind the start gate is I'm pretty fragile. I think I couldn't take much of a hit and I'd be back on a hospital bed. So I could yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I still can enjoy my life, but... Um, yeah, and my joints and that don't work too good. I should be doing more about it, actually. I should be trying to recover and, you know, actually looking after myself a bit more. But yeah, I need to, need to do, put that on my bucket list for upcoming. <laughs> Got a race team to run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate the time. Appreciate you coming on. Um, where can everyone get in contact with WBR? Social media or website or... Yeah, we've pretty much got all the platforms. So we're on you know, Instagram, Facebook, and all the social media. And also we've got our website, wbrmotorcycles.com.au. Um, when you get to that, you can actually you know, be directed to the race team side of things or also the shop. And, um, yes, if you feel free to please check us out. And, yeah, if you're ever in Echuca, call by. If you're into riding dirt bikes, call by and ask about the motor farm and we can get out for a ride. Yeah, nice, man. Have you got any other of those ride days coming up soon? Uh, nothing planned. We'll, we'll do something over school holidays just locally here in Echuca. Um, one big thing that we've been sort of doing is what we call WBR Ride Club. And we try and get – kids have been pretty lucky. We've had one session once, actually, where we had Kale Makem, Hugh McKay, and Jared McNeil. And I can't remember, it was someone else. There's like four pro guys out there teaching – 10-year-olds had to ride their 110. So there's been some pretty lucky kids around the area that have um, had had the opportunity to ride with some current pros and ex-pros and stuff like that. So that's always exciting. I enjoy watching the kids smile and then, uh, get out there. We've got a track just for sort of 110s and 50s and that sort of stuff that they can roll around on. And, yeah, so we'll open that up over the school holidays and see who comes out for, for a bit of fun. Yeah, awesome, man. Sounds like you're doing awesome stuff over there. Yeah, it's been fun. And, um wouldn't change anything. I just uh, try and have more time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the age old battle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Much appreciated, Greeny. We'll have to catch up for a ride with you one day soon. We will, mate, for sure. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Ben Greenwood High Performance Podcast. For more information on this podcast episode, please check out the show notes and to check out more of my content, shoot over to my website, www.100percentstrength. That's www.100percentstrength.com. 100% strength to us means giving 100% effort to any challenge we face whether that's in life, whether that's in the gym, or whether that's out on the track. So you can check out some of our free content online. We've got a blog there. We've also got an email list you can subscribe to to stay up to date with events, tips and tricks on a weekly basis. And 
I'd really appreciate if you give us a follow on Facebook or Insta too. Until the next episode, give it 100%. Peace out.